Welcome to Smart Poker Study, brought to you by ThePokerForge.com. I'm your coach, Sky Matsuhashi, and this is the podcast for profitable play and study strategies. Along with those, I give you action steps to take because action is the greatest teacher. My goal is to turn you, my student, into the player that you want to be on your poker journey, one step at a time. Let's do this. So I'm really excited about today's episode, uh, and the reason why is because last week I gave you some good two-bet calling principles to follow in order to make better pre-flop calling decisions, right? But this week I thought it would be a really good idea to discuss three-betting. Now one of the great things about three-betting is you're not calling your opponent, you're not giving them that post-flop opportunity to see-bet, they don't have that stronger range because you called, you don't have the aces, the kings in your range, that kind of thing, right? But... When you three bet them, especially when you three bet them from a place of position, the cutoff, the button, when they call you, well, they could fold and award you the pot, which is always nice pre-flop, right? But if they call you, now you're the three better. You have the stronger range. You're in position against them. You have the opportunity to see bet post-flop. You are in a bread and butter spot. That's why I really do love three betting so much more than calling. Uh, Three betting is just, it's quite a bit easier too, just in general. When you're calling, you're just kind of unsure of things. You tend up or you tend to call more post-flop after making that pre-flop call. And you all know that aggression is winning poker. So when you're three betting, you tend to continue that aggression post-flop. You're just giving yourself a better chance to win money or to win the pot by continuing that aggression. So this is uh, the the chapter called Three Bet Essentials from my book, Pre-Flop Online Poker. I'm going to play just about almost all of the chapter for you. Um, I'm going to discuss your options when it comes to three betting. You could fold, you can call, or you can three bet. I'll talk about the three bet squeeze. I'll talk talk about the purpose behind your three bet, actually knowing what are you going for? You're going for value? You're going for a bluff? Or are you trying to isolate the open razor? I'll be giving you hand examples here. And then I'm going to give you four considerations before three betting. These are the things that you must take into account to make those proper positive EV uh, three bets. So, excuse me while I whip this out. (laughs) That's right. Sheriff Bart knows what you need to do. Whip out those poker notes and take notes as you listen, please. And of course, go to the show notes page, smartpokerstudy.com slash pod three three zero. You can listen to this episode and the prior two episodes, which are all which are all excerpts from my various audiobooks. Okay, let's roll. Gambate! Everybody just stay calm. I can handle this, no problem. I know how to deal. License and registration, please. What seems to be the officer problem? Subdomino 3.1, 3-Bet Essentials. Some players 3-Bet just to 3-Bet. They know that aggression wins pots, and hey, they want to win pots. While blind aggression can win some pots here and there, and can even develop 3-4x to starting stacks very quickly, it also causes full stacks to be spewed faster than tequila during rush week. To 3-bet profitably, we need to use logic. Our 3-bet needs to be more positive EV than calling, and of course, a better option than folding and losing nothing. The decision, fold, call, or 3-bet. When an opponent opens the pot before you get to act, you have three choices, fold, call, or 3-bet. Your goal in poker is to make the most positive EV decision, every time, based on all the factors you're presented with. Let's look at your three choices when facing a preflop 2-bet. 
the first is to fold. Folding is neutral EV because it removes you entirely from the hand and you can't win or lose money. The good thing about folding is that it allows you to avoid dangerous hands and negative EV spots. And it allows you to watch the hand play out so you can learn from your opponent's play. The next option, to call. Calling is your passive option. You like your hand enough that you're willing to put money in the pot to see the flop. But you don't like it enough to raise and build the pot for value or raise and bluff with it. Sure, you could be slow playing your pocket aces, but for the most part, calling caps your range and removes the strongest hands. Another drawback to calling is that it gives you zero fold equity. When you call, you're hoping to hit something powerful on the flop or with intent to bluff post-flop. Calling also gives your remaining opponents a bigger incentive to overcall and to 3-bet squeeze, two things which don't put you into great post-flop money-making opportunities. And your third option when facing a 2-bet is to 3-bet. This is your aggressive option. You make the 3-bet if you believe it will make you money in the long run, and it's more profitable than calling. Your 3-bets, both value and bluffs, must attack weakness and avoid strength. Some good things happen when you 3-bet. A bluff 3-bet gives you fold equity, which is an additional way to win the pot. Also, your opponent can call you with a worse hand, thereby giving your strongest hands the value you're looking for. 3-betting also builds the pot pre-flop, which you can possibly take away later with some well-placed post-flop aggression. 3-betting also helps you develop an aggressive, lag image and your future value bets can be paid off more frequently by unbelieving opponents. If you target your 3-bets on specific players like nits, tags, and maniacs that you have position on, this can set them on tilt. And lastly, mixing in bluffs with your value 3-bets makes it harder for opponents to put you on a range, so it balances your play. But 3-betting can also lead to some potential issues. It can cause you to lose more chips due to the increased size of 3-bet pods. If an opponent calls your 3-bet in position, they're going to make the hand harder for you to play and you lose any equity your hand has when you have to fold to a pre-flop 4-bet. The 3-bet squeeze. There's a special consideration for 3-bet squeezing. We have to contend with the original raiser and one caller, or possibly more. Because there are more players involved, we must be even more certain of what we're getting ourselves into. The original raiser might have a strong hand, but before they call our 4-bet, they have to contend with how the caller, or callers, along with the 3-better will react. If you're squeezing in position, then they must be concerned with going post-flop out of position versus potentially two or more players. This puts maximum pressure on the original Razor to fight back with a strong hand or ditch it entirely. When we consider the caller or callers involved, they've generally capped their range to mid-strength hands as they probably would have 3-bet themselves with hands like Queens or Greater and Ace-King. You'll therefore have a perceived card advantage over them, but that doesn't always matter. They called in the first place, which could make them sticky, as nobody likes to call pre-flop only to fold before the flop comes. The more loose passive the caller, the more likely they'll call your 3-bet, regardless of how the original raiser responds. Here's an example scenario, a button squeeze opportunity. Villain 1, a tight aggressive reg, opens from MP2 with a raise first in of 20% and a fold to 3-bet of 64%. Villain 2, another tight aggressive, calls from the cutoff, with a 2-bet call of 10% and a fold to 3-bet of 74%. Heroes on the button with 7-6 suited. Fold, call, or 3-bet bluff. Raise as a 3-bet bluff with the plan of folding to a 4-bet. After hero raises, 
Villain 1, with a wide opening range and a high fold to 3-bet stat, has to contend with an in-position 3-better and a caller. If Villain 1 chooses to call, then Villain 2 will likely call due to the great pot odds being offered. This means that Villain 1 has to potentially contend with two in-position players on the flop in a 3-bet pot. This scenario often squeezes the opener out of the pot and leaves the 3-better with the initial weak-ranged caller. And because the caller's fold to 3-bet is at 74%, they're folding more than enough to make our 3-bet bluff profitable. Before you make any 3-bet squeeze, answer these two questions. How is the original raiser likely to react? And two, given that reaction, how will the caller react? If you're squeeze bluffing from in position, you want to be reasonably sure that both players will fold 65% of the time or greater. If you're out of position, look for fold to 3-bet stats above 70%. When going for value, you're hoping that one or both will call or re-raise. Keep your value range nice and tight for these squeezes, as bloating the pot with pocket jacks when they're only continuing with queens or better is a bad move. Squeezing from the blinds looks very strong, but consider the fact that you're building the pot now from out of position versus two opponents. Definitely not a bread and butter situation, so you better be incredibly sure your value squeeze or bluff squeeze will have the desired effect. Know the purpose of your 3-bet, value, bluff, or isolation. Every preflop 3-bet must have a reason behind it. Are you going for value, bluffing, or isolating a weak opener? Never test the waters or see where you're at or 3-bet solely because the hand is in your 3-bet range. You're committing extra chips to this pot, and if you don't have a good reason, you're just spewing chips. Instead, have a specific goal in mind and look to achieve that goal through purposeful 3-betting. First, value 3-bets. 3-betting for value means we have a superior hand and we want action. They open the pot and the range they continue with isn't as strong as your hand. It's critical that you have an idea in your mind of the hands that your opponent can give you value with. Try to verbalize the weaker hands they can call or 4-bet you with. You might say something like, I have pocket queens, and they can call my 3-bet with pocket 10s through 8s, ace-queen through ace-10, maybe some weaker aces and suited connectors as well. They can potentially 4-bet with ace-king and pocket jacks, and I've seen them 4-bet bluff with ace-3 suited before. If the opponent folds, so be it. You've at least earned their preflop 2-bet chips. If they can call, you have the opportunity to win more money from post-flop action with the superior hand. Here's an example scenario, considering a value 3-bet. A loose aggressive villain in the cutoff opens to 3 big blinds. Villains raise, then fold to 3-bet is 54% in the cutoff, and their 4-bet is 12%. Heroes on the button with pocket jacks. The blinds are passive callers. What is hero's best option? Fold, call, or 3-bet? 3-bet for value. The ranges I gave in subdomino 1.4 list pocket jacks as a calling hand. But calling will give the blinds too good a price to come along, so you can expect to see a 4-way pot with pocket jacks. A bit dangerous to be certain. The lag villain doesn't like folding to 3-bets, so they call a lot, and they also have a wide 4-bet range. Your pocket jacks is a heavy favorite versus someone like this who continues way too often. 3-bet now to get max value from this lag villain, with the plan to get it in preflop if they 4-bet. Now bluff 3-bets. When 3-bet bluffing, we have a worse holding, and we want them to fold. We don't want action, and the best outcome is that they fold to the 3-bet, awarding us the pot then and there. Before 3-bet bluffing, we need to look for indications that they'll likely fold. We want to see wide open raising ranges and high fold to 3-bet stats. 
3-bet bluffing when in position increases the likelihood that our opponent will fold, as most people don't like playing 3-bet pots from out of position. Don't make the most common 3-bet bluffing mistake, bluffing without preparing for a call or 4-bet. Before you click raise to 3-bet bluff, know exactly what you'll do if the opponent 4-bets or how you'll approach the flop if they call. Here's an example scenario, considering a bluff 3-bet. A loose aggressive villain in the cutoff opens to 3 big blinds. Villains raise, then fold to 3-bet is 54% in the cutoff, their in-position fold to 3-bet is 30%, and their 4-bet is 12%. The button and the small blind both fold. Hero is in the big blind with 10-9 suited, and is last to act. What is Hero's best option? Fold, call, or 3-bet? Call and go post-flop. This loose aggressive villain has a wide open raising range, and doesn't like to fold when in-position versus 3-bets. Hero's 10-9 suited is a great hand to go post-flop with here, so Hero doesn't want to fold straight off. Figure 74 shows that 10-9 suited has 43% pre-flop equity versus a 31% loose aggressive opening range. It only costs Hero 2 big blinds to call for this total pot of 6.5 big blinds, which means they only need 31% pre-flop equity here. Hero doesn't want to build the pot with a 10-high 3-bet bluff against an in-position lag who doesn't like to fold. Doing so makes poker more difficult. Lastly, Isolation 3-bets. You make an Isolation 3-bet because you want to face only this one opponent. Calling their 2-bet may get others to call, then you'll be forced into a multi-way pot on the flop. You may choose to 3-bet isolate for one or more of the following reasons. You have a strong hand and they can call or 4-bet with worse. You have a strong hand and want to avoid multi-way pots or getting squeezed with it, like pocket jacks or ace-queen suited. You might want to isolate because they can call too wide, but give up too easily post-flop. Maybe they make other post-flop mistakes and you know how to exploit them. Or you want to be a constant 3-betting thorn in their side because you see some financial benefit in this. Here's an example scenario, considering an isolation 3-bet. A tagfish villain opens to 3 big blinds in early position. Villains raise then fold to 3-bet is only 48% from early position. Their out-of-position fold to 3-bet is 52%, and their 4-bet is only 1%. In 3-bet pots, villains fold to C-bet out-of-position is a whopping 77%. It folds to the hero on the button with pocket 9s. The small blind is a tight aggressive with a squeeze at 7%, and the big blind is a loose aggressive with a squeeze at 9%. What is hero's best option? Fold, call, or 3-bet? Three 3-bet three isolate the tagfish open razor. Pocket 9s from the button is normally an easy call, but with two squeezy blinds behind, as well as a post-flop foldy villain, Hero would love to isolate here with a 3x 3-bet. Villain calls a lot of 3-bets pre-flop from out of position, and they fold a ton on the flop. Here are the possible ways this hand can play out when Hero 3-bets and the blinds fold. The first, Villain folds, which has a 48% chance. Hero adds 4.5 big blinds to their stack. Next, villain 4-bets 1% of the time, and hero folds, knowing they've got pocket aces or pocket kings. Hero loses 9 big blinds. Next, villain calls about 50% of the time. When this happens, hero could hit a strong flop and bet for value. Villain continues and hero earns a big pot. Or possibly, hero hits a strong flop and bets for value. Villain folds and hero adds 10.5 big blinds to their stack. Or, hero hits nothing and bluffs. Villain folds 77% of the time, and Hero adds 10.5 big blinds to their stack. 
And lastly, Hero hits nothing and Villain calls the bluff 23% of the time. Hero gives up the rest of the hand and only loses 19 big blinds total. With these potential outcomes, Hero is much better off 3-bet isolating versus folding or calling. The four considerations before 3-betting. There are four important considerations we must take into account before clicking raise and making the 3-bet. Actually, we consider these things before every decision, but they're even more important in 3-bet pots. The first consideration is your hand. Your hand matters when 3-betting. There may be times when 3-betting any two cards is profitable, but with the rampant aggression in today's games, 3-bets get called with much more frequency than ever before. Utilize the 3-bet ranges I gave you within Subdomino 1.4 and the KISS Cash Game Ranges PDF. The value parts of these ranges are built specifically to take advantage of weak openers who continue with ranges that are just too wide and hard to make profitable. The bluffing ranges fall outside of the positive EV calling ranges, and they contain ace blockers and suited connectors. In case your 3-bet bluff gets called, these bluffing hands have good post-flop playability and can turn into something extremely valuable on the right boards. There may be times when you decide to stray from the ranges I gave you. That's completely fine by me, as long as you determine that your wider value 3-bet range, or the wider bluff 3-bet range, is positive EV. The second consideration before 3-betting, the open raiser. Use HUD stats and history with your opponent, like notes and prior showdown hands, to help you gauge how they'll respond to a 3-bet. You want to have a reasonable assumption they'll react in your favor. Before you click raise, verbalize the parts of their range they can defend with. For example, Sam 123 calls very wide with suited connectors every pair and every ace, so my pocket jacks is getting lots of value from those hands other than pocket jacks and queens. He only 4-bets with aces and kings, so I'll fold if that happens. If you're going for value, you want to see a large preflop raise along with a low fold to 3-bet. This means they open raise wide and call 3-bets wide. You also want to see prior showdown 3-bet calling hands like queen 10 suited and ace 4 offsuit. You want to see fit or fold on the flop play. For example, a low c-bet and a high fold to c-bet stat. Or you want to see calling station tendencies so you can extract tons of value. If you're bluffing and want folds, it's great to see things like a high PFR along with a high raise then fold to 3-bet stat. You also want to see a low 4-bet at below 10% so that getting rebluffed isn't much of a concern. You also want to see positional awareness so they're more likely to fold when out of position. And you want to see that when they open from a steal position, they open with wider and weaker ranges that are more willing to fold. If you're isolating the opener with a 3-bet, you want to see a low 4-bet percentage. You also want to see post-flop weaknesses that you can take advantage of. The third consideration before 3-betting, your position and any players yet to act. As always, position is king. When you 3-bet in position, you're more likely to gain the fold you're looking for, the value you're looking for, and it makes post-flop play so much easier. 3-betting from out of position is gifting your opponent with a post-flop positional advantage, so be darn sure that your opponent is going to respond as you'd like them to. The later your position, the better, so there are less players your 3-bet needs to get through. For those yet to act, how do you expect them to react to your 3-bet? Loose passive whales are capable of cold calling the 3-bet with a wide range of strong and pretty hands like pocket 8, ace-king, jack-9 suited, and king-10 suited. Nits, tagfish, and tags are likely to fold all but the tops of their ranges. 
Lags can come in for a cold 4-bet bluff if they read you for weakness, or just call to play against your 3-bet range in position. Maniacs can call or cold 4-bet, making things difficult on you if you're bluffing. And lastly, if there were one or more limpers before the 2-bet, consider how they will react to your 3-bet. Visualize how the rest of the preflop stage and the postflop streets might play out before you click raise. How likely will the remaining players call or re-raise you? What will you do if everyone folds and the original open raiser 4-bets? How will you approach the flop if the button and the original raiser both call? If the remaining players are likely to make things difficult after your 3-bet, consider either calling or 3-betting on the larger side. If you know it'll take bigger bet sizing to gain your desired goals, then you must pull the trigger and do so. And the fourth consideration before making a 3-bet, the stack-to-pot ratio, or SPR. It's crucial to understand that 3-betting situations make for bigger pots, and bigger pots make for smaller SPR. This is the ratio, once again, of the effective stack size in relation to the size of the pot on the flop. The lower the SPR, the more committed players are. Normally, players begin feeling committed at a stack-to-pot ratio of 4 to 1 or less. This is like a $5 pot with $20 behind. Winning this pot would add 25% to the player's stack, so they're less likely to fold top pair hands, second pair hands, and good draws, like flush draws and open-ended straight draws. But at much higher SPR situations, like 10 to 1, players feel less committed, and they can find a reason to fold because they're so much more at risk than what's currently in the pot. Here are two stack-to-pot ratio examples. First, a 2-bet heads-up pot. The button raises to three big blinds, the small blind calls, and the big blind folds. The pot on the flop is seven big blinds. At 100 big blind starting stacks, SPR is 97 to 7, or about 14 to 1. At such a high ratio, neither player will feel committed to this pot just yet. If one player started with 100 big blinds and the other player started with 60, the effective stack for SPR math is 60 big blinds because this is the most that both players can play for. The SPR here would be 57 to 7, or about 8 to 1. The shorter stacked player may be slightly more pot committed here, and less likely to fold top pair hands and good draws. Now for 3-bet heads-up pot example. The button raises to 3 big blinds, the small blind 3-bets to 10 big blinds, the big blind folds, and the button calls 7 big blinds to see the flop. The pot on the flop is 21 big blinds. At 100 big blind starting stacks, SPR equals 90 to 21, or about 4.3 to 1. This is right on the cusp when players begin to feel pot committed to the pot. At 60 big blind effective stacks, SPR equals 50 to 21, or about 2.4 to 1. Both players are very committed to this pot, but especially the 60 big blind starting stack. The pot on the flop represents 40% of their remaining stack, so you can expect them to fight for it with weaker made hands like underpairs, second pairs, and draws. A 
Alrighty, your learning is not complete until you visit the show notes page, smartpokerstudy.com slash pod three three zero. And if you want 2021, I know we're three months into it, but if you want this year to be your best poker year ever, you have got to become a member of the pokerforge.com. With eight masterclass courses and a ninth course coming pretty soon, I teach you all the strategies you need for a profitable micro stakes journey, and I give you hundreds of useful action steps that force you to practice what you learn. So once again, visit thepokerforge.com for more information and to sign up today. You're going to love being a member of thepokerforge.com. And my other podcast called Daily Poker Tips, that's available wherever you listen to podcasts. And to find a way to subscribe, just go to smartpokerstudy.com slash dailypokertips and you'll get a 30 second tip every day of the year. Until next time, take action both on and off the felt to become the player that you want to be. Thank you.